You're listening to LeBeau's Lessons, a leadership podcast for new and aspiring leaders. LeBeau's Lessons is a virtual platform which seeks to provide leadership training and education for new and aspiring leaders. We do this by providing a consistent, free leadership podcast, weekly mentoring meetings with our staff, and online courses. Every Tuesday, we meet at 12 noon CST to promote self-awareness by providing stories and leadership coaching on this show to raise the emotional intelligence of our listeners. You can support us by following, liking, subscribing, and sharing. And now, on to the show. And if you're joining me today, I'm really, really glad because I'm going to be speaking about suffering. And I know that's not a popular topic, but it's a topic that needs to be talked about right now, especially. Um, Many of us are dealing with different types of loss because of the pandemic. And I want to talk about suffering because I talk about a lot of things that have to do with business, success, etc. But I feel like you do a disservice with people if you are not talking about the drama and the suffering and the loss that they go through just in life in general, uh, let alone um, pursuing success and happiness in life. So the title of today's message is 27 Hidden Lessons in Suffering. 27 Hidden Lessons in Suffering. And I've already decided I'm going to turn this into a book. I'm going to take my time because I feel like this is a topic that you don't rush through. So I may have this series going for maybe another week or two weeks. So we're going to jump right into it. I'm going to be sharing 27 hidden lessons in suffering. And if you or anyone that you know has dealt with a loss, a recent loss, whether it's a job, friendship, family, relationship, etc., you want to stay tuned because you might be thinking to yourself, well, I'm not depressed. I'm not thinking of ending my life, and I don't have any of that type of thing going on. It doesn't matter because I'm talking about the human experience. And I guarantee you, you will leave today's message never looking at suffering the same again. And I can make that claim because I know today I'm saying something that you probably have not heard before in the way that I'm going to say it. And if you have someone in your life that is also experiencing a loss, listen to this message because if you don't have the words to say, I might say something today that you could use to encourage them. So let's start with number one. I'm going to try to smile as much as possible because a lot of the things that I'm going to say are going to be hard to listen to. Number one is life expects something from us, even at our lowest. Life expects something of us, even at our lowest. And with the meaning of life comes a responsibility to life. And if you're going through something, you have to see it as a stop on your way home, okay? Peace and contentment, that is your home. And no matter where you go in life, no matter what stops you take, you need to know how to get back home, okay? So a question you should ask yourself and all of us need to ask ourselves is, are you making the most of your life? 
yet? Have you decided yet to make the most of your life or have you given up? Okay? Because even when we are at our lowest, we have a responsibility to life because there are people who have lost their lives when they didn't want to lose their lives. There were people who were fighting for their lives. Life in itself is a gift, and I'm going to show you that that is true no matter what you're going through right now, today, in this moment. You still have a responsibility to life itself because you have it. It's a gift, and you don't have the choice to waste it. That is not your choice. And I'm going to change your mind if you think that you have the choice, okay? Number two, the truth of each person's life is exposed when they have nothing to lose. The truth of each person's life is exposed when they have nothing to lose. When faced with dire circumstances, who we turn into shows us who we are. And if we have dignity, or if we are just animals. And it is always within your power to avoid doing wrong to other people. And people will unmask themselves in these dire circumstances to be either a sinner or a saint. And what I mean by that is this, I'll give you an example. When I went through Hurricane Katrina, we were about a, a week and a half in and Everyone came to the, the, the acceptance of the situation. Um, we realized that we were in a school that we were using as a shelter. And many of us have lost hope that somebody was coming to get us. Okay? So this was a, a nightmare that was real to me. This was a living nightmare. And if you can just imagine a school, okay, full of people, all walks of life, there's no lights, there's no water, there's no um, food, and all we have is, when there's no police, all we have is the National Guard. And the National Guard has no instructions. You ask them, what's the instruction, what's going to happen to us, nobody knows, Okay. And in that moment, people started to lose, lose who they walked in as. If you know what I mean by that, if you've ever been in a dire situation where everybody thought hope was lost, that is when you see who a person truly is. Whether they have dignity, whether they will save themselves, or will they opt to save other people. And what I saw was amazing during that time. I saw people helping each other, neighbor helping neighbor. And it was a way of dealing with the situation with dignity, not knowing what was going to be your tomorrow. Okay, we're surrounded by National Guards. They're heavily armed. We're held captive because we are not allowed to leave the premises or they say they will shoot us. This was in Hurricane Katrina, okay, if you didn't know. So you have to understand that when you're going through your life circumstances and the suffering 
the real you will arise. Who do you turn into when things get rough? When you're faced with death even and uncertainty, who you turn into is your true character. Now, if you don't turn into the best person at that time, that doesn't mean that you can't change, but it is a picture. It's a photograph of where your level is right now. And you, if you go back and think about the latest scenarios that has been happening in your life, your reaction to it is revealing to you where you need to grow. Okay? So ask yourself this question. Who do you understand yourself to be in this moment? Who do you understand yourself to be? Okay? Number three, and, and I want to let you know right now as I'm saying this, there there's people chatting, and um, I'm on TikTok. I'm streaming live right now. And there's people chatting, and there's a guy in the chat right now calling me the N-word. But see, what I'm talking about today is about not caring what people say about you. And I'm going to talk about decent and indecent people very soon, okay? And I'm going to show you how to handle indecent people. Number three, don't make your focus whether you lack, okay? Whether you have or whether you don't have, whether you're liked or whether you're hated, whether you are praised or whether you are overlooked, whether you are sick or whether you are well. Take everything that happens to you as an assignment to you because only a person with great character can choose to find meaning in seemingly senseless suffering. Senseless suffering. Many people can find meaning in suffering for a cause. If, if let's say if you're marching during the civil rights, you have a cause that you're suffering for, you found meaning in that, and you suffer for that meaning, right? However, true character can be shown when you feel like there's no good reason why this is happening to you and that this has just happened to you and you don't deserve it. It takes true character to find meaning in that, okay? When I came to, I, I was born and rain, raised in Louisiana, in New Orleans, I left when I was about 18, 19 years old to follow my first husband into the Navy. I was abused by him. I was brutalized. And then I left and I came back home to start my life over again. I felt like I had lost everything. I was just starting 30 days in to get myself together, to get a job. I was about to move into an apartment and then Hurricane Katrina hit. And just like that, not only did I lose every little thing that I did have that I took with me from escaping that abusive marriage, but I lost my childhood home. All of my family was dispersed. And it seemed like I was being punished 
I felt like I was being punished. Okay? Have you ever felt like you're being punished either by life or by God? I felt like I was being punished. Right? Should have never left my husband. If I only would have stayed, maybe this wouldn't have happened. This is what my 19-year-old mind was saying. It was senseless. Okay? But I'll tell you something. In that time, at some point, I realized that I would be telling this story. I was able to see into the future. And I knew somehow that this suffering had meaning. There was a meaning to it. And there was a meaning in it. And in that situation, I was able to know that whatever this turns out to be, is for my good. And when I look back at it, and this is another thing that you can choose to do, remove yourself from the situation and look at your situation from a superior standpoint. And then as you look at it, you can see that these things needed to happen or had to happen in order for you to take the path that you needed to take. And me, 16 years later here, I know that is exactly what needed to happen to me in that moment. Okay? And I'm going to go more into that later. Number four, some people are living their lives as if their lives are already over. They're living their lives as if it is already over which makes them overlook opportunities. They feel hopeless and they live in the past. They live in the past because they resent their lives and they feel no impulses to create goals, okay? And the way that you can tell a person is, is a zombie, so to speak, or if they're just walking through their life, they've already mentally checked out, is they overindulge. This is one easy way to see. This is not rocket science. This is something that, that is easy to see. When people overindulge, it is coming from a, a hole, an emptiness somewhere, okay? Whether it's real or imagined, whether it is something that happened to them in the past or it's whether it's an agreement that they believe about themselves. There is an emptiness there, okay? And so they walk around missing opportunities for their lives to change and overlooking those things because they've already mentally checked out, okay? It's kind of like people just going through the motions because they feel like they're always gonna be held down. So they don't try. And even if they try, they don't really have hope or faith in it because they don't want to get their hopes up. Overindulgence can look like anything. It could be alcoholism, drug abuse, hypersexuality. It could be uh, overindulging with food, overeating. All of those people are trying to fill themselves up figurative, you know, in a figurative way. Okay. They're going to the extreme to, to uh, 
to um, feel a desire, a physical desire, when really their desire and the craving and everything that they're having, that is emotional, okay? But this is a substitute for them, all right? Number four. I uh, know, number five. Out of the 27, the 27 lessons, hidden lessons in suffering. Okay, let me make sure this goes back. All right. Number five is depersonalization. Okay. Um, when I first moved to Texas, I had, I was living in a state of depersonalization. It's a state of skepticism because when you lose everything and you feel like you're being punished in life, you don't get your hopes up. You turn into a pessimist. You think that, um, you think that this is not really it. This isn't it. Okay. I remember I was reading a book. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the title later as soon as I remember it. I was reading a book and it was about a Holocaust survivor. And he said that when they walked them out, out of the doors, when they were finally free, the day that they had hoped and prayed for, when they were finally free, nobody smiled. Nobody was happy. They all lined up, sat on the ground, asking each other, how do you feel? Like, what are you thinking? What do you think about this? Because inside of them, they had lost all hope, so much so that even when the chains were loose, they didn't believe it. They didn't want to believe it. They didn't really want to think that they made it through because they had suffered so much loss. And that might be you listening today. You feel like because you suffered so much loss that you don't believe when good things happen to you. You're skeptical about anything and everything. When, when you suffer so much in your friendships, you don't trust anybody. You suffer so much in your relationships, you, don't, you can't love anybody. Not fully, because you're skeptical. You suffer so much in the workplace, you don't give your all. Okay? That's an example of that. It's when you're not believing that something is real, you're a pessimist. You're, you live your life in a state of fear and sorrow, back to back, fear and sorrow. It makes you not have goals. It makes you afraid to make goals, okay? It's, uh, it makes you afraid to have hope, to have faith. And this is the funny thing about us is that we celebrate happy times and we hate bad times. But when you're a balanced person, you know how to be even keeled, whether, whether something good is happening or bad is happening. Because how many times have good things happened that we thought were good turned out to be bad? How many times the things that we thought were bad turned out to be for our good? So because we have that knowledge, because we have that knowledge, we need to go about life in a state of acceptance of what is, whatever it is, okay? Someone is asking me, how do you break the cycle of indulgence? I'll get to that. I'm going to talk about that 
when I talk about decency and indecency, I'm, I'm going to tell you. Number six, inner strength comes from inner goals. Inner strength comes from inner goals. You don't have strength. You don't have motivation because you have no clear goal. There's no clarity. So many of you, and I, I was talking to a person recently, this person was simply depressed because they had no goal. They weren't working towards anything, so they felt like their life was meaningless and they weren't doing enough with their life. And all they needed was direction for their life, okay? Everyone has an expiration date, okay? Death hovers over all of us, okay? Most people will not be remembered, especially those people who don't have a responsibility to life. They live without intention. Nobody remembers a person who lives without intention. They're easily forgotten from memory because they choose not to see life as a gift. What will be the monument of your existence? What will be the monument of your existence? I remember a question that changed my life. Um, this was about, I think about 12 years ago. Someone asked me the question, what is the legacy for your family? What is the legacy for your family? I didn't, at that time, I didn't even know that a family should have a, a legacy or or something that you should be working towards as a family. I thought goals were for you, and they have theirs, and they have theirs, and you have yours. But no, this person enlightened me to see that I could have a direction for my family to go. I can give my family an intention. And at that time, that was in the, in the very beginning when I started homeschooling, and that became a lifestyle, okay? What is the legacy or intention for your family or for your life? Many of you are saying, I don't have any kids, for your own life, okay? Think about that. Number seven, and right now we're talking about the 27 hidden lessons in suffering, okay? Number seven, you can resize every offense life brings to you, okay? You can resize it. If something happens to you, something, someone does something to you, you decide if it's going to be this big or this big to you. Have you ever met people that have gone through some of the most horrible things you've ever heard of, horrible stories, and they've made it this small? And you know by listening to them, you don't know how you could have made it through that situation. They resize the experience. They resize the offense. Like when I first started this, and this guy called me the N-word when I started this broadcast, I decided in that moment it didn't matter. I'm just using it as an experience, example because many people are triggered by that word. Okay, That word is a photograph of that person's character. It has, no, it has nothing to do with me. 
Okay, so all they are doing is exposing themselves. That's what people are doing in their lives. And, and when you look at them, that's what they're doing. When they're doing something to you, they're exposing who they are. Okay, they're, they're exposing their level. Don't be mad at that. Okay, you do not have to accept every negative thought your mind presents to you. This was really big when I was a therapist. I really love to teach people how to interrogate their thoughts and validate their emotions. Emotions are like crying children. They're like toddlers begging for attention. Okay, You decide how you're going to answer those emotions. I'm not saying ignore them, but you get to decide when and how to process those things, okay? You need to realize that not all of the attacks that you have experienced are really real. Some of them are just in your mind. And many times, I, whenever I'm, I feel like I'm going through something, I, I say to myself, <clears throat> first of all, I ask myself, if this is the worst case scenario, let me make up a plan. If this actually happens, let me make up a plan. But I stop myself, I take myself out of myself, and I say, okay, what is really happening? Has anything really changed? And if nothing has really changed, the only thing that changed was my emotions. And I can quickly change those. Okay? Decide to be happy in spite of your hardships and misfortune. That is your decision, okay? Because many people... Many people have experienced what you're going through. You are not the first. When I, when I was pregnant at 18 years old, I sat in the doctor's office, and my mom was there, and she was losing it. And the doctor said, you are not the first, and you will not be the last. Okay? That stuck with me. And in my mind, it made me realize no matter what I am going through, I am not the first, and I won't be, a, be the last. People have survived this. I am not the only person going through this. I am not special in that regard that I am the first person to ever go through this. Okay? These are common problems. No matter what you're going through, this is common to humanity. Okay? This is the choice you have. How will you bear it? How will you bear it? How will you carry your cross? When I was talking about that book that I, um, that I read, it was by Victor E. Frankel. Okay, Victor E. Frankel. You'll love that book. At a certain point, when these Holocaust um, victims and survivors were going through it, Many of them had accepted that they were not going to get out. Many of them had accepted that they were going to die there and that they will never see their loved ones again. And in that moment, the true character was shown. And what some people chose to do was bear their cross with dignity. They didn't whine, they didn't complain. Some people decided, at that moment, they decided to lay there literally and die, not move, not eat, 
not do anything. N- nothing. Once they realized that they were going to die there, they gave up completely. But some people decided to die with dignity, knowing that their suffering had meaning. Even though it was senseless, even though they knew they may not ever live to tell the story, somebody told their story. And their suffering had meaning. And they were able to have strength enough to carry it with dignity. Whatever you're going through right now, are you carrying it with dignity? Or are you throwing a tantrum right now? Are you throwing a tantrum right now when you could be carrying your burden with dignity? Okay. This is a tip that you can use. If you're going through something, imagine that it is already passed. Do you see how I'm right here? I'm, I'm telling my story of abuse. I haven't even told you about my childhood. I'm telling you my story of abuse, and I'm telling you my story of Hurricane Katrina, okay? It passed. I'm here. I survived to tell the story, okay? Imagine that whatever you're going through right now is something in the past. Imagine that you're telling the story to somebody else, and you're encouraging them. When you think that way, as if your problems are passing away right now, it helps you to deal with it better. You'll feel better about it. Okay? And, and I use this. I use this. It's already passing away. It's something in the past. I'm already talking about the future, the good things that are happening. Okay? And it takes away the pain. Number eight. And if you're just joining us right now, we're talking about the 27 hidden lessons in suffering. The 27 hidden lessons in suffering. Number eight, suffering has its meaning. Suffering has its meaning. And there is purpose in suffering. Some of you are listening today. You say, why do bad things happen to good people? And I'm telling you that even suffering has its meaning. Wherever, whenever innocent blood was shed, it had its meaning. It had its purpose. We know that we look, we look at our freedom today because somebody's blood was shed. Okay? We look at the rights we have today because somebody suffered. And it had meaning. And even though they may not have seen justice, we are a living testimony of the justice because their suffering had meaning. Okay? Number eight is suffering has its meaning. It has its purpose. And there is courage in suffering. And suffering can be your life's greatest achievement. Your greatest achievement, once you assign meaning to your suffering, it disappears. Assign a meaning to your 
suffering. Pay attention to how you're looking at your suffering. Pay attention to what you're walking away with. There's many people that go through things and they learn nothing from it. They walk away damaged. They have no lessons. This is why I named this the 27 hidden lessons in suffering. Because many people miss it. They just become broken. Okay, But there is a lesson in everything. You have to assign meaning to your suffering. When those people that were, were in those camps and when, when those people march for rights, okay, they have assigned a meaning to their suffering and that's why they can bear it. That's why they bared it. Some of those people that was, were in the Auschwitz uh, campus, when they were suffering during the Holocaust, there were doctors in there. They suffered so that they could take care of other people. They didn't give up because they knew that they could help someone else during that time. You have to realize that you right now, if you accept a responsibility to life and you assign your suffering a purpose, you can make an impact in somebody else's life, in many people's lives, okay? I suffered at the hands of an abuser. I suffered lack and poverty during childhood. And I suffered Hurricane Katrina and many other sufferings because one day I was going to become a counselor, a therapist, an author, a public speaker. Because somebody right now is getting healing, a sign a purpose to your suffering. Number nine, no one can replace your uniqueness. I'm saying this to the person who feels like they have no uniqueness, they have no purpose, okay? No matter, and, and I'll tell you, I've had moments like this, but I have never met another me, never. I've never met another me. In every environment, I was required, even if I was not recognized. Let me tell you, even in that environment that you feel overlooked, you're required. Do you get me? Because your presence is unlike any other presence. Your voice, your thoughts, your contribution is needed in that moment for a reason. Okay, even when not everybody likes you, even when you think nobody is looking, your presence is unique. Okay, there's nobody like you. Somewhere you will feel welcome and celebrated, not in all places. It doesn't mean that you have no purpose in being there. There's plenty of places that I was overlooked I needed to be there because there was nobody but me that was going to be able to do what I was sent there to do. It didn't matter if I got an award for it, recognized for it, promoted for it, patted on the back for it, praised for it, loved by everybody for it. It didn't matter because nobody else could do what I was sent there to do. Okay? Embracing your uniqueness because some of you don't love yourselves. Embracing your uniqueness 
okay? Means to accept your whole self, the good and the bad, your whole self, and loving yourself enough to discard thinking and behaviors that do not serve you. When you truly love yourself, you cast away all those things that will not serve you in the long run. When you really love yourself, you don't do that to yourself. You don't, you don't keep doing those bad habits because you love yourself. You want to protect yourself and preserve yourself, right? Because you accept yourself as who you are. Even in your weakness and imperfections, accept yourself. Okay? It doesn't make you less of a person. Okay? If there's something that you, if there's things, when there's things that you need to change, change them. But you don't stop loving yourself. You don't give up on yourself. Okay? Number 10. There are two races of men. There are two races of men. Only two. The decent and the indecent. That comes from Victor E. Frankel. Great author. Brilliant writer. Two races of men. Decent and indecent. The funny thing about human beings is, you know, at the core, none of us are perfect. We do bad things sometimes. Okay? We do things that are lesser than ourselves. We do things that are unworthy of ourselves, that don't serve us and they don't serve other people. So sometimes we are bad people, yet tired of bad people. We all complain about bad people, even though sometimes we are that person. Okay? And, and you may be saying to yourself, oh, these people this, these people that, and this is the reason why you don't like your life, you don't want to live your life. But you are not always good. You have to admit that, okay? But let no one's indecency cause you to give up on your life. Let no one's indecency, whether it's a relationship, a parent, or a attacker, Somebody who, who did something horrible to you. Okay. And, and, and this is something that I learned as a therapist. It is impossible for indecent people to not act in their nature. If in this phase of their lives, they are indecent, how can they not act indecent? If that's where they are right now, if that's their level right now, okay? So when you look at somebody and they're in a phase of indecency and you recognize that, why are you still trying to change them, okay? Realize, decent people will always be the minority. If you feel like you're getting beat up everywhere you go in life, people don't treat you right. There's reason for that, and, and one day that'll, that'll be another post, okay? That'll be another, um, I think I, I actually talked about that on, a, on one of my recent podcasts. It is uh, about social maneuvering, so make sure that you go to Apple Podcasts. Um, but decent people are the minority. If you're a decent person, you are the minority. So, yes, the vast majority of people will not always act decent to you, Okay? 
It's a part of the landscape of life. If you walk through, uh, if you walk through a, a garden or if you walk through the woods, you're not surprised if you stub your toe on a rock. You are not surprised if you misstep and tumble a little bit. This is a part of the landscape. Okay, it might hurt you. It may make you upset. People hurt us and make us uh, upset, but they are part of the landscape of life. Okay. What you have to do is become better at discerning people. I keep seeing people post about, you can't be nice, blah, blah, blah. No, it's not about being nice. It's about you are assuming that people are good people too soon. You're assuming. You're assuming someone really loves you. You're assuming that they're really your friend. Okay. You have to become better at discerning people. You have to observe them more. And a lot of people like this are like this because they're always in their own head, locked away. They don't really observe people, and that's why they miss the red flags. When you become a master at discerning people, I'm saying this to the person who feels like giving up on life because of the people in their life, you have to learn to get out of their way. Hurt people hurt people, we know this. Get out of their way, okay? Because they are only going to do what they believe is in their best interest. This is what they believe is in their best interest. If they cheat on you, if they beat on you, if they cheat you, if they lie to you, they're doing so only because they feel like they will get ahead because of that. Okay? That's what they're doing. Everybody does what they believe is in their best interest. Okay? This is how people do when they believe doing these things against you will get them ahead in life. Okay? But it doesn't profit any of us to get mad at them and to stay mad at them. It doesn't profit you to stay mad. So let it go. Get out of their way. Send them on their way. Okay? Or you go on your way. Number 11, and today we're talking about the 27 hidden lessons in suffering. If you know anybody who is going through depression, anxiety, losses, share with them this message. It's going to be on Apple Podcasts later on tonight. Just look up LeBeau's lessons. Number 11, when you know your why, you can overcome anything. When you know your why, you can overcome anything, okay? You have to have a why, okay? And many of you have your why, but you just haven't recognized it. Some of you have a why, and your why is your kids, but you don't see them as your why. Some of you have a relative, a friend, a calling, a talent, a skill, a cause, and you have not accepted it as your why. So you're walking around saying, I don't know my purpose. I don't know why I, I, I should keep going. You are overlooking your why, okay? And you don't just need a, a why, okay? You need more than something to live by. You need something to live for. Some of you are living by principles. You're living by rules. You're living by some type of 
philosophy or theology. Okay. You need something to live for. I wrote a book called A Sense of Destiny. And it's about how every person who is great or has done great things had a sense of destiny, meaning they had a sense that they were different and that they were supposed to do something great. But years later, I learned that it's not only about a sense of destiny, it's about a sense of responsibility. Because when you have a sense of destiny, meaning that you feel like there's something that you have to do, on the hard days, it's hard to do it. But when you have a sense of responsibility to somebody else, you get up early in the morning. As a businesswoman, I wake up to a problem, I go to sleep to a problem. What makes me get up is my sense of responsibility to everyone else. I have to keep working so other people can have their jobs. I have to keep working and going because I have to take care of my kids. I have a why and I live for that. Don't just live by rules and principles. Have something to live for. Okay. Got 10 more minutes. Number 12 of the 27 hidden lessons in suffering. Number 12 is external circumstances usually make us make people willing to do internal work. You know how uh, somebody dies or a breakup happens or we lose a job or a business fails or something like that happens. Something dramatic happens on the external. Then now all of a sudden we, we want to reflect, right? We want to look at like what's going on with me? What happened, right? Usually that's what happens. And this is how most people are. You can use what you see as an obstacle, those things, those losses that break up, the business failing, um, losing that job and all of that as fuel for growth. Fuel for growth. Okay. People have a choice on how they like to view their struggles. Okay. You have a choice. So if you, if you let's say, for instance, if you lost your business, See it as an opportunity to go back to school or to get back into the workforce and build up your career. If you lost a business, see it as an opportunity to start. Uh, if you lost a job, see it as an uh, opportunity to start a business or go back to school. You can choose or how you reframe this. Reframing, this is something I talked about a lot when I was a therapist. Reframe the situation. Rename the situation. This is not an unemployment. This is time for me to go back to school. Now I finally have the time to do something. I, I have time to write my book. I have time to get back in shape. I have time to spend more time with my kids. You choose to do that. That's about attitude. Okay. Let's say if you got a bad report at the, at the doctor's office and, and let's say you even found out that you have a shorter time to live. Make that your assignment. Whatever has been assigned to you is your assignment in that moment. How will you bear it? If a shorter life span has been assigned to you, what will you do with it? Okay. If you only have one year left to live, what would you start doing? What would you stop doing? 
Number 13. You can choose to be superior to suffering and make pain and obstacles, difficulties, subject to your opinion. Subject to your opinion. If somebody says something about you, you get to decide whether their opinion matters, correct? You could decide if they're a hater or if you want to feed into it. In the same way, you can decide whether this difficulty you're going through, pain or suffering you're going through, how much it really matters to you. Okay? There's people that walk around every day with bad diagnosis. A really bad diagnosis is very dire. But you don't know it because they haven't made that their life's focus. Have you ever known somebody who was dying? I have. And I've seen people bear it with dignity and use the latter part of their life, the last moments of their life, to do something good for other people. Okay. Number 14. Out of the 27 hidden lessons of suffering, one person looks at your life as an upgrade. Another will see your life as a downgrade. Okay. Someone might look at your life and wonder why you should be happy at all. Another person will wonder why aren't you happy. Okay. Whatever someone's life appears to be does not indicate how they feel about it. So some of you, in, in, in reference to what we're talking about here, some of you are feeling like you're a failure and you're not a success and you have no reason to live and your life isn't good enough because you're looking at what somebody else has and it is discouraging you and is making you feel like they're better off than you and why wouldn't they be happy and that person could be on the edge right now. Okay? And it, it seems like they have it way better than you do. And they're ready to take their life. Okay? We see it all the time. So, whatever it is that you have going on, you have to learn how to be content with it. And what I don't, I do not mean to stay in it as it is. Okay? But accepting what it, what it is being grateful for what you have and learning how to stay grateful as you progress to the next level. And this is a delicate balance, okay, without being envious of other people and assuming that they have it better than you. Because every time you look at somebody else and think someone has it better than you, there's somebody looking at you wishing they had what you had. Number 15, Some of you are into self-harm. If that's not you, you still know somebody who is. Self-harm can be anything. It could be cutting. It could be drinking. There's some people who know that they're eating themselves to death and they still do it. There's people who are on their deathbed for lung cancer still smoking. That's self-harm. That's I give up, okay? That is self-harm. When I was a teenager... I went through a phase when I was about 15 years old of cutting myself. I felt like my life was out of control. I was extremely depressed. 
When I look back on the problems, the problems that I had as a teenager, I didn't have any problems compared to where my life is now. I didn't have any problems. I was in a state of delusion. Anybody who is harming themselves is living in a state of delusion. Okay? And all of us live in a state of delusion at some point of our lives because so sometimes we're sitting over here believing that somebody really loves us when they don't. We're sitting up here thinking that we have a real friend when we don't. We're sitting up here thinking that, you know, we are this or we're that when we're really not there yet. So we have a little, we, we, we live through pockets or pass through pockets of delusion. But someone who is in a phase of self-harm, they are deluded into, they've deluded themselves into thinking that their problems are not common. They're unique. They've deluded themselves into thinking they can't get out of it. And they've deluded themselves into thinking that doing what they're doing is going to work out. You know, hurting themselves is going to work out for them, and it's not going to, okay? So that is a delusional mindset. It's not real. What you're doing to yourself is not real. It's not really going to work out, and it's not going to help you. Number 16, I remember when I was a, a young teenager and I was with my first husband. We were 16 years old. We were high school sweethearts. He was 17. I was 16. And uh, he had a girlfriend. It was a short, short, uh, husky little girl. <laughs> and she was very, very hurt. She was hurt. She, now that I'm an adult, I can look at it. She was very hurt. She was very troubled and disturbed. And my my ex-husband, he had a type. Okay, I was I was always skinny when I was younger. He had a type, and his type was was juicy thick girls. Okay, don't laugh. He was he was he liked thickums. Okay, and um, I was jealous. I was jealous of this girl. Even when I even when we got married, I was still jealous of her. Because at some point he stopped loving me. And I knew that I wasn't his type physically. And uh, this is the funny thing about suffering and why I say sometimes you can live in a state of delusion. When you're suffering, it can make you, this is number 16, it can make you jealous of people over the smallest, stupidest things. The stupidest things. I've seen older women who have so much going for themselves. They have business. They have career reputation. They have, you know, beautiful. They have a husband, children. They have success. And they'll be jealous of the next woman, a younger woman, just because she is younger. And there's many different ways we do this to ourselves. And, uh, This is, this is the problem with that. You being jealous of a person that is at a low point in their life is not going to add any value back to your life. But I just want to say that to the person who is feeling down on themselves because you're comparing yourself to somebody. And I'm telling you, you have no idea what that person is going through. And you may think that they're better than you or they have it better off than you. 
And I can guarantee you they don't feel that way. They don't feel that way. So you're deluding yourselves if you continue in that. Now, I am going to stop there. We are at number 16. Next week, I'm going to come to 17. Remember, you guys, we're going to come back to this 27 Hidden Lessons in Suffering. On next Tuesday, I'm going to go live, same time. And this broadcast, if you came in late, is going to be available on Apple Podcasts later on. I'm also on Spotify later on tonight. So thank you guys for watching. I hope that this helped you. And if it did, or if you feel like it can help somebody that you know, send this message to them. Because you never know where they are. And it could be the one thing they needed to hear to stop themselves from doing something very, very bad. Okay? All right. Thank you, guys.